So what does it really take to launch a space company? Would your idea survive in zero-g or burn out on the launch pad? Isn't space only for aerospace giants? Um, and being a small startup, you know, one of the biggest challenges was, was walking down the street and talking to anybody and saying, hey, uh, I'm building a, a mission to go to the moon and I'm going to build a business around that. And, you know, by the way, it's only ever been done by three uh, superpowers before, but our little startup can actually do this. We knew that there could be something there, um, but we had to go out and convince people that, yeah, there really is something there, and yes, it can really be done commercially and affordably, and yes, the time is now to get that done. Today's Deep Space podcast kicks off several segments on entrepreneurship in space. What is the current state of space entrepreneurship, both successes and failures? What are some of the emerging trends to be mindful of and the key players to watch? How do companies navigate the space investment landscape on the way to launch? Joining us today is president and CEO of a company driving new innovation in space. Please welcome John Thornton of Astrobotic. John, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me today. Can you tell us about the vision of Astrobotic? Where do you want to take this company? Astrobotic is fundamentally a space robotics company, and our goal is to make space accessible to the world. Our first big objective and main area of focus right now is making the moon accessible to the world. And for us, that starts with transportation. So towards that, we're building a delivery service to take payloads from all over the world up to the surface of the moon. And then once on the moon, we uh, provide those payloads, our customers, uh, power and communication uh, for, for uh, operating their missions. So ultimately, we're like a one-stop shop for all of your lunar needs. Um, in the future, we see space robotics uh, being cross-cutting uh, for the moon and many other destinations in low Earth orbit all the way up to and through Mars and deep space destinations. Well, that's awesome. So you're not just a one-stop shop for transportation, but once folks get there with their payloads, you're going to provide the basic infrastructure that they need to operate? That's right. Yeah, we provide power and communications, which are the two basics that, that most payloads look for. Um, we can also actually drive payloads across the surface of the moon with a mobile uh, payload platform. So we have rovers that uh, scientists can attach their instruments to, and we can drive them across the surface and provide all of the power and data infrastructure to get that data back home to the scientist. So Astrobotics a participant in the CLIPS program, right? That's right. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, CLIPS is a NASA program. It's Commercial Lunar Payload Services, and it's a it's a fantastic forward-leaning program where the, where NASA and government have said, okay, we're going to, instead of doing missions ourselves, we're going to go buy commercial services. Um, so much like how they, they buy a launch <clears throat> a launch vehicle today. Um, so they, they buy a ticket, um, they, they put their payload on top of the, the, the lander, and then we take it all the way to the, to the surface of the moon. Um, so with CLIPS, it's an opportunity for NASA payloads and people all over the country to work with NASA to develop payloads to be sent to the surface of the moon, and then NASA simply buys a ticket uh, for those payloads to be, to be sent up. So when are you expecting to, to launch? What's the name of your lander? Our first mission is going to go at the summer of 2021, and, and the, the lander that's going to be going on the first one is called Peregrine. And it, it can carry about uh, up, to, up to 200 kilograms of payload to the surface of the moon. Wow, that's amazing. So, so John, what have been the biggest challenges to making a business model work for space? One of the first challenges we have is that we, we chose a market uh, that did not exist. 
Um, so one of the biggest things that we had to do was go around uh, to the world and convince people that it should exist um, and that we should have regular routine access to the moon. Um, and being a small startup, you know, one of the biggest challenges was, was walking down the street and talking to anybody and saying, hey, uh, I'm building a, a mission to go to the moon and I'm going to build a business around that. And, you know, by the way, it's only ever been done by three uh, superpowers before, but our little startup can actually do this. Um, the skepticism uh, around that was very, very difficult to overcome. Um, but once we showed that there was demand, once we uh, started to capture some uh, early payloads, some of the first uh, lunar payloads sold ever, um, people started to understand that, yeah, this is really, um, could, could really work. Uh, and it could be a really, really great uh, way to get affordable access to the surface of the moon. Um, and then the one of the big tipping points was when the U.S. government recognized that and started the, the CLIPS program up um, and now is, uh, is one of the largest customers in the world for lunar delivery payload services. So basically, you were not responding to an existing demand. You, in effect, had to seed the demand, if you will, and then offer up basically the, the uh, capability to meet it. In many respects, yes. Um, that it's not typically how I would advise you to start a, a company, but that, that is what we did. Um, we knew that there was probably pent-up demand because there had been only um, a handful of missions since uh, the Apollo era. Um, so that's on order of 50 years of pent-up interest in the moon that we hadn't gone back. Um, so we knew that there could be something there, um, but we had to go out and convince people that, yeah, there really is something there. And yes, it can really be done commercially and affordably. And yes, the time is now to get that done. Um, but that's a big part of the reason that, that it took 12 years to get the, the company built, um, because we were going after a market that, that just did not simply exist when we uh, got started in 2007. So I know you can't... Um talk about anything that would be proprietary either to you or to your customers, but to what extent can you talk a little bit about your customer base? Can you tell us, is this business-to-business -business sorts of relationships or business-to-government relationships, um, downstream relationships? Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. Yeah, we actually make all of our uh, payload deals public, so they're they're all listed on our website. So we have um, the the largest recent deal um, was with uh, NASA for the CLIPS program. Um, they they secured up to 14 NASA payloads to be sent to the surface of the moon, um, and then we have another 14 non-NASA payloads, um, and that's an array of uh, other space agencies to um, commercial organizations. Uh, to scientists and explorers, um, to folks that are just doing marketing on the surface of the moon, to other small businesses that are trying to build businesses on the moon. Um, so a whole array and variety of different interests. Um, so you could almost imagine all the different interests of packages on the back of a UPS truck and, uh, you know, what, what, where all the packages are going and what, what are the things that they're all doing. It's a little bit like that for the moon. Um, we have a wide array of different packages that are going to be sent up to the surface um, and we're sim simply the, uh, the delivery vehicle, the DHL delivery vehicle, if you will, um, to take all those uh, payloads up. The DHL delivery vehicle. So can you mention who your partners are? Yeah, sure. So DHL is one of our partners, um, which is why I mentioned it. Um, so DHL uh, is interested in being uh, able to ship things to surface the moon as they ship to every country in the world. Um, and uh, so that's one, one partner. We have an, another partner that wants to create a laser communication system from the surface of the moon. Um, we have another one uh, that's sending uh, human ashes up to the surface. Uh, we have a program uh, internal called DHL Moonbox where individuals can send things up to the surface of the moon. 
Uh, we have a, a, a rover from Carnegie Mellon that's going to be sent up to the surface of the moon on the first one. Um, let's see, what else? We, we also have a, a rovers from um, uh, Europe uh, that want to go. There's, there's a small one with, uh, with legs uh, that wants to walk across the surface of the moon. Um, so it's a whole array of, of interesting folks and, uh, and, and payloads that want to go up. But you're not doing all this on one mission, right? Actually, we are. All of wow. those payloads are going on just our first mission. Um, so we are, are accumulating a fair number of payloads. Uh, about 20 or so payloads will fly on our first mission. That's fantastic. Boy, I'm looking forward to that. And I bet you are too. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, John, sort of a little bit higher order question. Can you tell us a little bit about how has NASA's focus on commercial space affected your business? Well, NASA's uh, focus on commercial space has been a boon for us. So we, we started um, uh, 12 years ago as a company, um, and at the time we were focused uh, on SBIR, STTR kind of uh, opportunities with NASA. Um, but over time, that, that partnership grew, and we, we showed that we could deliver technology uh, reliably uh, for, for what they were looking for. Um, and then uh, NASA took the next step and said, hey, we're going to create this program called Catalyst, uh, which was a no-funds-exchanged um, Space Act agreement where, where they could actually uh, have NASA personnel work on our lander. And that gave, that gave us access to you know, some of the best engineers in the world to help build our commercial service. Um, and NASA did it because they wanted to see how uh, small companies like us would, would go about building those kinds of businesses and also because they wanted uh, the service to actually exist. Um, uh, so over time, that partnership was very uh, successful for us. It helped that other uh, commercial uh, partnerships with NASA were, were successful, like, like COTS, for example. Um, and then uh, the next thing was, was CLIPS. NASA said, okay, we, we've been working with these companies. We, we think they could actually do this commercially, and now they're, now they're going to be buying uh, those services. So the fact that NASA recognizes how to build businesses and how to grow commercial uh, businesses is, is really a, a marker of success for the agency and, and one that they can uh, very uh, confidently claim that they are way out in front of the rest of the world on that. Okay. And if you don't mind, I'm going to take just a minute for our listeners who may not be as familiar with some of these acronyms. It's something we all slip into um, in part of the larger aerospace community. Um, so CLIPS is Commercial Lunar Payload Services. And when John just referred to an SBIR, that's a small business innovative research uh, grant NASA has, along with many other agencies, an SBI pro SBIR program, and then the Space Technology Transfer Program also is the STTR. So what kinds of architectures do you think need to get built to get back to the moon and then from the moon to Mars? If you look ahead, 20 years from now, 30 years from now, 50 years from now, where do you see all of this going? It starts with transportation. Um, so we, we need landers that can take uh, payloads to the moon and then also on to Mars. Um, but after we have that, then we need to learn to use the resources of the location that we're going um, to, to further our exploration or potentially get, get deeper and deeper into space. Um, one of the first resources that uh, comes to mind is the water at the pole of the moon. Um, so if you can have water, you can split it into oxygen and hydrogen and condense it, and you just made rocket fuel. Um, so the moon could become uh, a gas station for refueling landers to go back and forth to the moon, but also we could use that moon fuel um, to get to Mars. We could take that fuel 
fill up our spacecraft at the moon and then go all the way out to Mars. And there's been studies that have shown that you could reduce the cost to get to Mars by 50% or more if you can use moon fuel. Um, so if we can harness energy from the moon and, and, and turn it into rocket fuel and, and uh, create uh, uh, energy, it's kind of like creating the first oil uh, for space, the first commodity in, in space that can uh, store energy. Um, and then beyond that, we, what other resources can we, can we use? Are there rare earth metals that we can maybe send back here to earth? Are there uh, materials on the moon that we could print replacement parts for, for our spacecraft as they go deeper uh, into space? Can we use that same technology to then create and print parts on Mars and other uh, planetary destinations? Um, ultimately, we need to remove the tether of reliance on earth for space exploration. So we've already been talking for about 10 or 15 minutes, believe it or not. Um, it's been sort of been great to talk with you. One of the things that we really want to do with this podcast is um, give people sort of a clearer idea about what it takes to really be involved in the business of space. So if you were going to give someone advice who was thinking about starting a space business, I'm sure there's a whole lot of things that you would want to tell them. Um, but what would be the first top two kinds of things that pieces of advice that you would you would offer? I think one of the most important things for folks that are thinking about getting into space and building businesses there is that you have to have passion for it. Um, you need passion no matter what business you're building, but definitely big time in space. And that's because there's going to be bad days, um, technically or business or anything else. Um, space is an unforgiving place um, where you oftentimes only have one chance to succeed. Um, and because of that, you're going to face a ton of challenges along the, day, along the way, and it's going to be bad days, and you need passion in order to get through, um, to, to push yourself uh, past it and, and uh, persevere and come out the other side and build something successful. Um, so passion is, is really, really important for, uh, for a space business. Anything other than passion? Well, the other is uh, you, you have to have a good business sense. Um, so there's a lot of folks that uh, try to start building businesses in space, but they start with a, a technology that they think is cool or an engineering solution that they think is cool, um, but not one necessarily tied to a market demand. Um, so you have to uh, combine that, that uh, market demand with a great technical solution to really then be able to drive business and, uh, and, and, and create something successful and sustainable into the future. So that business case is really important. And um, part of the thing I'm always telling small companies that I'm coaching that are breaking into this field too is the importance of capitalization, right? Um, Absolutely. It's critical to basically have enough money to be able to carry your business through that initial startup phase before you're generating a lot of revenue. Um, and you can find sources of revenue in several different places depending on the strength of your business case and your management team. Um, but that, that falls right back into what you just said about the business case, right? It's really important to sort of have those building blocks underneath you. Absolutely. And, and it sounds very simple and fundamental and, and basic, but there's a lot of companies out there that don't focus on that and, and they're just kind of missing it because of it. Um, so it's really, really important to build that, that business case. And that starts with market and understanding the customer and understanding how, how you're going to get paid at the end of the day. So is there anything else you'd like our listeners to know about Astrobotic and your vision and, and your, um, your path forward? I mean, it sounds like it's a really exciting time for you. You've, you've been at it now for a while. You've got some great minds involved in creation of Astrobotic and, and the path forward. Is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners? 
Yeah, it's a very exciting time for the company. Our, our first mission flies in the summer of 2021. We're going to be operating it out of our, our uh, brand new headquarters that we're building here in Pittsburgh, um, right next to Heinz Field, where the Steelers play. Awesome. Um, so for, for Pittsburgh, that'll be the first spacecraft built and flown uh, from, from the city up to the surface of the moon. I'm excited for, for Pittsburghers and the whole region to, to be a part of the mission. Um, and once we go, we're going to send back pictures and video and all kinds of things where, where people can tune in and follow the mission uh, along in real time. Uh, and we hope that this is just the beginning of many, many deliveries to the surface of the moon um, so that we can really unlock the secrets of, uh, of the moon and, and make it possible to take the next step deeper into space and get to Mars and beyond. Well, we're really looking forward to that. We really are. So if people want to learn more about Astrobotic, where can they find you? Uh, you can follow us uh, on Facebook, and you can also sign up for our emails uh, right, right on our website. That's the best way to, to track uh, in real time what, what the company's up to. Okay. Well, John, I, again, I can't thank you enough for uh, taking the time out of your very busy schedule, getting ready to send things to the surface of the moon uh, to spend 15 minutes or 20 minutes giving us a, a chat today. And we, we look forward to seeing what happens with Astrobotic and uh, looking forward to your launch in the, in the middle of, of 21. Well, thank you, Marilyn. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Okay, John. Take care.